Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening. I'm glad you've joined us for this evening's program. I'm Nathan Owens, and as usual, I'm joined by Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Pastor Murphy, how has your week been? Um, fairly good. Have its difficulties, but I'm fine. Thank you. Glad to have you here tonight, Pastor. Good to be here. Pastor, we had a very faithful listener to the Lighthouse stop by this morning. Uh, her name is Christina, and she asked me if I could ask you this question tonight to start off the program. She lived in the States and was part of a great church there. They had many ministries and, as such, many needs. She then moved back here to Antigua about six years ago and has been sending her tithe money to her church there in the States. Is it biblical for her to do that, or should she be tithing at the church she attends here in Antigua? Uh, My response to two basic questions I would have to ask her. Number one, did she transfer a membership? to the church here, and she's currently a member of the church that she's uh, worshiping at. That would be one of my main concerns. Uh, does she plan to return, or does she plan to stay in, in Antigua? But my uh, initial response would be that wherever you are enjoying the ministry of a, a local church, and uh, you're benefiting from the spiritual ministry of the pastor, I believe that's where you should invest your, uh, your tithing, your offering, and um, I believe certainly the local church here can do uh, much better if uh, you would support the ministry here. So my counsel to you would be if you're being spiritually fed, you're satisfied with the church where you are, uh, you're able to minister with your gifts, and you find that the the folks uh, at the church uh, extend a welcoming arm to you, um, I would suggest to you that you should really invest your tithe here in the local church. Join the church, become part of it, and then let the Lord use you in that capacity. Christina, I hope that that answers your question. Tonight we're discussing the topic of roles of men and women in church leadership. You know, in a day and age when public opinion and individuals' rights seem to be the biggest shaping factor for so many policies, it's important that we know what the Bible says and how to answer the hard questions. Pastor Murphy, what has Christianity done for women around the world? I think one of the easiest ways to answer that question is to contrast um, countries where the Christian gospel has formed part of the foundation of, of those those um, countries, especially the Western democracies, where the Judeo-Christian ethic in morality and law and order has pre- pre- prevailed. When you contrast the privileges and the rights and the equality that the women enjoy in these Western countries that are really based fundamentally on biblical principles, and then contrast that with non-Christian nations, uh, it becomes almost elusively clear that 
and there is such a a difference between the two. Um, you take the Muslim countries, for example, women are virtually chattel. Women can't drive, and, you know, they've got all kinds of restrictions. Uh, so when one looks at the Christian faith in relation to nations and what impact it's had on women, um, it is very, very clear that women have benefited enormously on the level of equality, uh, on the level of dignity. Um, take uh, India, for example, it was Christianity that stopped women for being burned, especially wives for being burned after their, fa- their, their husband had died. It was the norm in India that after a man had died, his wife would be put on a, a pyre and be little alive. And this was just part of the culture. When Christianity went into India, that all passed away because Christians fought against it. So I think the, the, the evidence is so clear and the contrast is so obvious of the benefit that Christianity had brought to, to women all over the Western world. Pastor Murphy, according to Scripture, what is the role that women should play in church leadership? Let me begin by saying that we're dealing with a very, very controversial subject, and people have come from different um, religious traditions, and I think most of us, um, when you look on the global scene, there has been a tremendous change in terms of how people view women in respect to the ministry. A question like that, um, you can only get a definitive answer when you go to Scripture. So it's not, uh, we must not base our, our answer to that kind of a question on what is practiced in churches or what is culturally accepted or, or what is even politically correct. We, like any other um, subject we're going to deal with, we have to turn to Scripture and see what does the Bible say, and then how do we properly interpret the Bible in regards to this matter. Uh, to my mind, and I, um, I, I make no apologies about this, my position when I come to Scripture, it is very, very clear that God has ordained the leadership role in the church. Uh, God has given that role to men. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks emphatically to this matter in, in the uh, first epistle to, to Timothy. And he lays down some very clear guidelines in regard to this matter. Remember that when Paul uh, wrote uh, Timothy, the Apostle Paul is trying to counteract the fact that certain false teaching and doctrine had entered the, uh, the church. The Apostle Paul is writing uh, to correct uh, that false doctrine. Uh, he's eager to refute them, and he defends uh, the correct teaching and correct doctrine uh, and he's trying to set out what are the guidelines and what are the responsibilities and the roles for the different individuals within the, 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 the assembly. And uh, in First Timothy chapter 2, uh, Paul lays down certain guidelines in terms of what, are the, what the role of men should be in the church, and then he begins to talk about what is the role of women in the church. And then uh, Paul uh, points out several things in, in the passage in connection uh, with the ladies to talk about the fact that they need to be modest, uh, uh, they need to uh, listen and be taught in silence. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to make it very clear that uh, a woman's role is not to usurp authority or teach uh, a man. Uh, and then Paul gives reasons why this should not be. Now, what is interesting that the reason that Paul gives uh, Paul give in, in this passage has nothing to do with what is culturally accepted. It has nothing to do with what's geographical in that location. It has nothing to do with what is the educational standard of the, 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 the female at that time. And it has nothing to do with what uh, 
was prevalent in terms of the first century world. The, the arguments that Paul used for a woman not exercising authority over a man or leadership over a man in the, in the assembly, uh, Paul grounds it in two things. The Apostle Paul grounds it, first of all, in the order of creation. The order of creation was not accidental. Uh, God designed the order to teach clearly that he intended that the man would be the leader. Paul argues that, that Adam was created first. And then the other thing that Paul argues is that of the fall. The roles were reversed in the fall. Rather than the devil attacking Adam, he attacked Eve. And Eve was the means of bringing uh, Adam and causing Adam to fall. That role that God intended, where the man would be the leader and lead his wife, that role was reversed in the fall, where the woman was now leading the man into iniquity. Uh, and, and those are two biblical reasons uh, that Paul gives. And those are not uh, cultural reasons. Those are not geographical reasons. Those are historical reasons. Those are biblical reasons. Adam was created first. He was always created first. You can't reverse that. You can't reverse the order of the fall either. So Paul's argument uh, clearly is rooted in history and rooted in Scripture. Uh, Pastor, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that women are so much more educated now than they were in the time that Paul was writing to Timothy? Nobody disputes that. But that's not the argument of the text. Okay. The argument of the text, Paul bases... Let me read it for you, just in case the, the audience might be unclear in the passage. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, I suffer not a woman to teach, not to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Uh, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived, was in the transgression. So, so here Paul is arguing uh, the reason why he does not uh, endorse the authority of a woman over a man as far as leadership in the church is concerned and teaching uh, a man uh, is grounded in the order. I, I don't know if we fully uh, we accept the Bible or we don't accept the Bible. We, we, do we think that God <coughs> made a mistake? Did God know what he was doing? Did, is the order significant to God as what his plan was? And then can we change the fact that when the roles were, re was reversed, were reversed and uh, rather than uh, Eve following Adam, Adam began to fall Eve, that that brought about the, the, the disorder that we have today in society. The moment we, we move away from the fact that the Bible is the final authority, we open a Pandora's box where anything can be taught, and I think this is exactly what is happening in the church today. Having moving away from the final authority of Scripture, we are now left to the opinion of men, and it's leading us down a dark path. Would would you agree, though, that there are sections of Scripture that are allegory? There's sections that are to be interpreted literally? I don't think, again, that there's any dispute about that. Um, okay. So then, how do you know what to interpret literally, and how do you know what to interpret as an allegory? Because if you're making that decision, then why can't I make the decision and it be a little bit different and still be okay? Yeah, but if anyone reads this passage, there's no allegorical language here. Okay. Uh, clearly, when it is an allegorical language, it's more of a pictorial language. Uh, but here, this is the historical grammatical way of, of, of uh, Paul expressing. This is not. They have. This has no elements of being allegorical. Is this the only passage that explains that women should not serve? Well, the this role? is the. This is the. Uh, I would say this is the, the symbolith of, of, of the of the uh, on this matter about the women. And there are other passages in Corinthians that talks about women being silent. 
But again, that has to do with respect to the fact that in the Corinthian church, there was pandemonium over speaking in tongues, and Paul had to give certain directives as to how to control the use of tongues in the church, where two or three would speak at one time, it'd be done in order. But that's it's compl- completely different. Here, Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy. And in this same book, Paul is also outlining what are the requirements for a pastor. So that will come next in, in, in chapter 3. So this is Paul writing what is to be the authoritative uh, position and the order within the local assembly. Um, when Paul wrote Corinthians, he's writing to correct errors within the church. He's not writing to uh, a, a spiritual leader and dictating to him what order should be within the churches that he established. But in, in Timothy, uh, this is Paul writing to a young pastor who is Paul's troubleshooter, as it were, uh, Paul has been sending him to different locations to deal with different problems. So he's a logistical man here that Paul is using, and Paul is establishing. Paul says, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. So he's laying, laying down the principles that should be guide the order within the local assembly. As I was preparing for the program tonight, I came across someone who made the statement that the reason there's so much abuse in the Catholic Church is that women are not allowed to be in a leadership position. If women were allowed, if women were empowered by the Catholic Church, they would have brought a perspective that would have kept from all of these abuse scandals. What are your thoughts on that? I can't say yay or nay about that. What I would say that the real problem with the Catholic Church is that it's imposed a celibate system uh, that should not be an imposition on people. Uh, the norm is to get married. So I think the Catholic Church has created its own problems by insisting that the pastors and the bishops and the priests should be uh, not married. They have actually created an environment for abuse. And that abuse will continue until the Catholic Church uh, begins to realize that it's God's order that the, the home and the family is the divine order. In, the, in case of when we come to chapter 3 dealing with the bishops, uh, the bishop must be a husband of one wife. Clearly, it is God's plan that the pastor uh, be a person that is married. Uh, so I don't think the problem stems from the fact that women are not given positions in the Catholic Church. I think the problem stems from the fact that the Catholic Church has imposed a hideous doctrine that is not supported in, in Scripture and, in, and, and made it a, um, an imposition. If that were the answer, why is that kind of abuse not in other churches where women are not pastors? You take the Baptist community. Uh, we have always held to the position that the leadership of, of, of uh, pastorate belongs to the role of men. But where have you heard of abuse within the, the, the Baptist church for all of these years? I mean, the Baptist church has been here over 50 years, I believe. Uh, and I don't think you hear that kind of abuse. But it's men that's leading in the, in the, in the uh, Baptist churches. So I, can't, I don't think there's a parallel here. I think it's, um, it's comparing two things that really are not related. We've got to understand that a lot of the social change that is taking place, there is a feminist ideology that is driving this whole movement. Um, uh, women have made tremendous progress, and we are not to deny that. Uh, they've entered the workforce, and they're now dominating in, in many different areas. Uh, but the truth of the matter is uh, we're now being told that uh, if we restrict any role to women, we're somehow being discriminatory and we've made them second-class uh, status in the church. But I would like to say that the, the, the world doesn't dictate to the church uh, what should be practiced within the, the, the walls of the church. We depend solely on Scripture. 
And when the Bible speaks on these kind of matters in a very definitive way, we cannot compromise our principles because of what the world says or what the culture says. This is not a cultural history the, the issue. This is a biblical issue. What does the Bible teach on these matters? What would you do with the topic or the passage where it talks about Deborah being used or Esther being used? Would they not have been considered back then the pastors or the, the leaders? How was it okay back then but not now? Well, look, you're dealing with civil society. You're dealing with a situation where uh, these people act in, in roles of leadership. Not, not, there was no church back then. So let's understand we're dealing with apples and pears. We're not dealing with the same thing. Okay. Besides, let me just point out to you, they're the exception, and the exception proves the rule. Uh, from Genesis right through to Revelations, God has given the burden of leadership to men. Where you find uh, in the Old Testament, substantially where women have filled in the role, is where men have allowed women uh, to take those positions by default. Even Deborah uh, refused to go to war unless Barak had gone with her. So I, I don't think that you can use the Old Testament exception to establish the rule. The exception in the Old Testament establishes the rule as far as I'm concerned to show that what God's mind has always been. Uh, our Lord did more to elevate women than any other uh, religious leader. Um, he only allowed them to minister to him. Um, uh, you look at his life in relation to women and how they cared for him, even at the resurrection, they were the first to, to be there. Uh, what he says about uh, women that, you know, what this woman has done, it'd be told throughout the whole world. Uh, nobody has elevated women and, and exalted women more than him, but not once did he make a woman a, a, an apostle. Not once. Not, well, not once did he give, her, uh, give them a leadership role while he, while he was on, on earth. Uh, because the role of leading within the body of Christ uh, is a role given to man, and that role is rooted in the divine order. God is a God of order. It was not by accident Adam was made first. Uh, it was the divine order, and the fact that when that role was reversed in the case of the fall, where the woman was now leading the man, uh, that has uh, led to the Lord restricting that leadership role and keeping it within the framework of, uh, of men. Thank you for answering that question. Pastor, that question came from Virginia, from Jorge. Oh. You probably remember Jorge from years past. He was on staff here at the Lighthouse and also worked with the Spanish ministry at Grace Baptist Church here in St. John's, Antigua. You said that Deborah would be the exception. I have read many places today, people are saying it's not the exception. It was supposed to be the example, but people didn't have their eyes open enough at that point to accepted as the example. What, what's your input on that? Look, we are, put, we are imposing a 21st century view on Scripture that doesn't exist. Anyone that is familiar with Jewish culture and Jewish thinking, uh, it is very obvious that that is not the case. Uh, I, I, I don't know anyone can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation without coming to the absolute conclusion that it is God's will that the man lead. Uh, take the home. Are we going to reverse roles in the home now because of the culture talking about women equality? Uh, the man is the head. Uh, in every part of Scripture, the man is the head. So are we to reverse that now because women are more intelligent, women are smarter, they've got all these different types of social skills, etc., etc.? The society does not change the biblical order, and the compromise of the church today is this, that we are more governed by what society says, what the culture says, 
than what the Bible defines as the role in, in these matters. And I think that's a tragedy. And we will pay for it uh, down the line because once we compromise in this area, there will be further compromises that will take place that are more, more detrimental uh, to the faith. Many of the churches, especially here in Antigua, but I'm assuming many places, even in the States, you have more women in the congregation than you do men. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Okay. Would it not make more sense that the women—can a woman not relate to women better than a man can as a pastor? To my mind, look, we're coming back to the same arguments where we're using psychology— using cultural reasons, we're using educational reasons, we're using every reason to get away from what the Bible says. We're either going to allow the Bible to speak to us clearly and tell us what we're supposed to do, how is the church supposed to function, or we turn to other sources. And 10 years or 15 years down the line, when another principle comes comes into play, are we now going to change to accommodate that new principle, that new ideology? That is not the biblical way of, of dealing with these matters. We are shut up to what the Bible teaches. And we must believe that this is God's word. And God knows best. God has designed man. God has designed woman. God knows how best the church can function. Uh, we're not wiser than God. And if God has set this as a principle to guide his church, who are we? Who, why do we have the audacity to believe that we can, we, can, uh, we can reinterpret or we can twist Scripture to make it mean what the culture wants it to mean. And, and, and we are in a, a dilemma where the church is more concerned about being politically correct, about jerry-reflecting uh, to public opinion, rather than sticking with what the Bible teaches and trusting God that if we follow what God says and are obedient to Scripture, that God's blessing will come. When we go away from Scripture and we are disobedient to Scripture, we can be absolutely sure God will withhold His blessing. You're listening to That's Truth, the voice that you hear answering these questions and taking us back to Scripture and staying firm on that stand is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Pastor, I have a question sure. from a lady in the British Virgin Islands. Sure. Uh, it's a little bit change of topic, but she wants to know, have you explained the verse that says, Owe to no man, owe not anything to a man? Should Christians go to the bank and borrow money if we're not supposed to owe man anything? Uh, I, I would say to, to most people, it's, it's wise not to borrow. Uh, because especially the tremendous interest rate that has to be paid back. Um, I think um, if I had to suggest to anybody, I would recommend that they desist from doing that if they can perhaps um, go to a brother or sister and get a loan, whatever it is. But remember that we are living in a, a different world. Uh, even in the Old Testament economy, uh, the Lord allowed uh, the brethren to lend to each other. The only restriction was you could not charge interest. It was called usury. So uh, any brother had borrowed from another brother in the Old Testament. Uh, there was nothing wrong in, in being granted a loan. The only restriction was that you should not impose uh, uh, interest rate on it. But uh, again, we're living in a modern society where uh, you're not doing something illegal. Um, this is part of the economic system. And most of us, I would say, would never be able to own anything, whether it be a house, a car, um, if 
they did not have this access to, 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 to borrow. As I just remember the parable of our Lord when he gave the talents to people and the guy that buried it, the Lord said, why well, didn't put it in the bank to get interest? I don't know if you recall that parable. So clearly he's not against uh, this concept of interest with just brother um, charging interest to brother. But in terms of the, the, the capitalist system um, and the, the right to loan, I, I, I would, from that particular parable it would seem that he, is, he has no problem where a person can, can take an asset, invest that asset to gain interest on it. have another WhatsApp message from Antigua. There are so many women pastors and preachers in the churches already today. What advice would you give to people who attend those churches? All I would say to anybody, whether it be women preachers or whether it be some other major issue that has related to spiritual truth, get into the Bible. Let the Bible speak to you. If you, it's very clear to you from Scripture that this is God's position. It doesn't matter what is being practiced in society. The society doesn't set the practice, but the church doesn't set the practice for us. The Word of God is the final authority. If I, I would never be part of a church where a woman was a pastor because there's no biblical grounds for that. As a matter of fact, uh, when you go into the qualifications in, in Timothy chapter 3, Paul is laying down the qualifications for what is an elder or a bishop or a pastor. They all mean the same thing. You read Acts chapter 20, you'll find that the, the words are used interchangeably. And uh, there are 16 different qualifications laid down in, in that passage. Most of them are gender neutral, but two of them are gender specific. And one of those is that the person must be the husband of one wife. Now, is this an accident that Paul has written this? Is this God's will? Or was it just the times in which Paul lived that Paul wrote that? Did God tell Paul to write this? Is the Bible inspired? But if the Bible is inspired, could God have seen down to the from the beginning to the end? And uh, if it was not his will, uh, and it was will that this be changed, could he not have included it? Uh, when God wrote, when the scripture was given, it was given by inspiration of God. It's God's final word and God's final authority for the church. The church makes a grave mistake when it goes outside the pale of the Bible to accommodate um, what is socially acceptable, what is politically acceptable. Uh, we must take our stand on scripture. And my advice to anyone who is attending a church where a woman is a pastor, I, I, may, I, I have no... By the way, I hope we're friends by the time we finish, because I have no ill will towards any, any uh, person who might... any woman who's out there uh, pastoring. But I will say to any woman who's pastoring, that's not your role. That's not God, the role that God gave you. And the Bible... And the, oh, the other one, the other um, gender-specific matter in First Timothy chapter 3, not only a husband of one... And by the way, the word translated husband of one wife is really a, a one-woman type of man. In other words, uh, it is letting you know that this is the male function, and then he must be one who is able to rule his house. Uh, that is the role of a man, uh, to be able to rule his house. And the, 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 the pronoun that is used there very clearly is um, the masculine program. Uh, so I, I have a hard time uh, finding in Scripture any basis for a woman being a pastor. And I don't think any person can come to the New Testament in particular to establish that a woman can be a pastor. 
they are, they are loggerheads with the Apostle Paul, they are loggerheads with Scripture. Uh, so we must stick to the Scriptures, let the Bible speak, and when the Bible speaks clearly, we must obey God rather than man. There are over 7 billion people on the planet, and over half of them don't know Jesus. This is a quote. I think our focus should be on the fact that someone is trying to reach them rather than tell them that because they don't have certain body parts, they can't be a pastor. Again, uh, a subtle way of presenting the same basic issue. What we are discussing is straightforward. What does the Bible say are the qualifications for pastors? That's what we're discussing. We're not discussing about whether they're uh, missionaries out there, whether people need to know the Lord. We know people need to know the Lord. Women can, women can witness to, to people without being pastors, so that's not really an issue. Uh, what we've got to understand that we have to come back to Scripture. We can de- debate missions at another time. We can talk about what we need to do, world missions, and what's the church's responsibility in that regard. But we must not use missions as a means to undermine the biblical teaching on what uh, the qualifications of a pastor. That is not the intention, and it should never be the intention. The debate about women's uh, body parts, again, that's immaterial. It's not a matter of body parts either. It's a matter of what does God say on the matter. That is the final answer to the problem, not what I think or what you think. So let's not use missions and because women might be doing this part. And you, know, you can do a good thing in a bad way. Moses was told to speak to the rock. He struck the rock. Water came out. But God still condemned Moses for what he did. He got a good thing in a bad way, but God did not approve of it. So because these things are happening, it doesn't mean that God approves of these things. God will not sanction anything that is unscriptural. Pastor, we've been talking about what women, the Bible clearly states that women should not fill the role of pastor. What can women do in the church quickly? Well, look, if a woman wants to really be a really instrument, a real instrument within the local church, her role is not the pastor, but why not become a pastor's wife? Why not work in the support role to encourage the pastor to be able to counsel ladies in the church? Why do you have to wear the pants and assume the role that God has not given to you? So if you're really interested in the, in the ministry of the church and the advancement of the church, uh, why do you not consider being a pastor? Then what about uh, being a minister of music, director of the music? Uh, what about uh, taking the educational ministries of the church, uh, being the director of, of Christian education? Why not be a Sunday school teacher? Why not perform the role of a counselor? Uh, why not um, uh, get involved in ladies' Bible studies all over the Antigua? Why not do Bible clubs in, in the schools? Why not start a mentoring ministry or a discipleship ministry? What about the ministry of helps, the hospital ministry? Is there anybody more tender than women who understand and, is, and are more compassionate than, than women? These are roles. Why not perform acts of mercies? And, and there's so many children's ministries that are needed. Um, why not uh, be a missionary uh, and so on uh, what about the ministry of prayer and intercession all of those are ministries open to ladies but there's one that Paul talks about that very few women seem to they're going after what God has restricted but the one that Paul talks about um, uh, it seems to be one that the, the, the women have um, pretty much seemed to avoid uh, and that is found in uh, Timothy chapter, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, where Paul says, uh, The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as become of holiness, 
not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And they, get this verse, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. What a ministry that is. How many ladies going into marriage, uh, going into marriage unprepared? What if the ladies in the churches would understand that one of the best ministries that they could ever engage in is to prepare these young ladies uh, for marriage, uh, to teach them how to love their wives? Now, an experienced woman should know how, how to, uh, know the secrets of how to, 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 to play on the heartstrings of a husband. Why does she, does, she, does she not let the young person into those secrets? How to love their children, how to care for their children. Um, so here's Paul talking about one of the major roles for the senior women in, in, uh, in, in the ministry of the church. But this is one of the most neglected roles imaginable. I, I do counseling uh, for people who are going into marriage. And um, I do not know of any lady in any one of our churches that ever learns of any of these young ladies going into marriage that say, look, let me take you onto, under my wing. Let me begin to mentor you. Let me share with you some of the secrets of a happy married life. Is normally left to the pastor. But who, who knows better how to deal with a husband, how to deal with a man, how to deal with children? than a woman. And what a tremendous ministry this would be. Rather than concentrating on trying to play the role of a pastor, which is out of God's pale for a woman, why not take the counsel and the advice that God gives in regards to women? Why not make this a primary ministry within the local church? Question for you. Women are not allowed to fill the role of Bible teaching or pastor. What about, and these, I got several questions, so just quick answers. What about adult Sunday school class? Well, a woman, I mean, a woman can teach uh, an adult Sunday school class, but it, it, because Paul says she should not men, exercise... Men and women? No, no, okay. that's my point. As long as you're dealing with men, uh, and this might sound very archaic to those who are listening, but again, I, we don't mind being archaic, I don't mind being archaic, as long as I'm true to Scripture. The Bible makes it quite clear that she should not be teaching men, and she should not be exercising biblical authority over men. So that role is curtailed and limited uh, for her role. Now, she can teach uh, a teenage class that is made of both teens and ladies, but we try to follow Scripture, and we, I would rather be condemned for following Scripture than to be rebuked by God by going contrary to Scripture. Very, very profoundly stated. What about a Bible study at someone's home and there are multiple families that are coming together? Is it appropriate for a lady to be sharing and teaching from Scripture in that setting? Again, come back to Timothy. Paul is talking about the order within the church. We're not talking about something it's talking about something going on within the assembly, the, the worship, etc. In a case where you invited a person to your home, you have a much more liberty and much more freedom in that regard. Uh, so that would not apply, this passage would not apply in that context, because Paul is really talking here basically to what's, what should be in the assembly. All right. I have a WhatsApp question from St. Martin, and then we have one also from Antigua. We'll do the one from St. Martin first. What about a woman deacon? I am not fully convinced as, as yet, I must tell you. I'm, I'm actually studying that matter uh, more and more. Um, the only the thing that restricts me a little bit for uh, making that feeling that that role is proper for women is that uh, in, in giving the qualifications for a deacon, uh, Paul again refers to the fact that it must be a husband and one wife. So that would be a, a gender-sensitive matter. Um, but there are some people who take the word deacon, the word for deacon is servant, 
and uh, they do try to say, uh, I think Phoebe yes. and uh, some others, that same particular words applied to them. Now, what it meant, it was meant in the context of being a deacon or just being, it's a general word for servant. There's some uh, uncertainty about that. It seems somewhat ambiguous. Uh, I, I would not press it at this point in time, uh, but this is still something that I'm wrestling with myself. I don't think uh, the, that is a proper role for her, for a woman at this time. But again, as I said, the the matter of what that word means in regards to other women that are used in the Bible, whether it just means a general word for servant or the word for deacon, there's some dispute about that. But the qualification for deacons requires that uh, he be a husband of one wife as well. The, the, here's, here's the other thing that I would be very well. A deacon's role today, basically, in the absence of a pastor, the deacons take over. So clearly, uh, a deacon's role would be taking authority over men in that regard. In the absence of a pastor, it's a deacon that does the teaching. Uh, and once again, uh, using that as a basis where Paul restricts the authority over um, over men and re- women in regards to teaching and re- in regards to authority, um, that would lead me to believe that that would not be a proper rule. Have a WhatsApp message coming in, or a caller who called in from Lightfoot, and they would like to know, according to Deuteronomy 12, is tithing relevant for today? Well, I can't read the entire chapter in um, Deuteronomy. Uh, what I, I What I would say is that Tithing is a minimum today. That's what I would say. Uh, remember that tithing is not something that was established after the law. There was tithing before the law. It's told that uh, Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. So it seemed to be one of those fundamental basic principles that was established prior to the law being given. It was then incorporated into the law. It remained a standard procedure during the Old Testament economy where Israel uh, was given that mandate. When we come to the New Testament, we do find a reference where Christ did not condemn tithing, but he did con- condemn uh, the Pharisees for tithing mint and cumin and all these small things, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I think that it is, 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 is a proper thing to do. Uh, I don't think you have any New Testament passage that clearly says that you should tithe. This it's not there. It's simply not there. Uh, Paul says to you, you know, in, in Corinthians, he says, "As the Lord prospers." Um, uh, again, this is a, a matter I think for individuals. Uh, if the Bible doesn't speak to this matter emphatically and specifically, especially in the New Testament context, I think you need to settle that in your mind. But as far as I uh, would practice, uh, I think it's something proper for me. I think that the Lord, look. Let me just say this. Nothing can be done in the Lord's work without money. Uh, and this is where we have to be willing to give. We can't send out missionaries. Our local church there, very small local church, we spend out close to $30,000 every year uh, to missions. How are we going to be able to do that? How are we going to support different types of ministries, et cetera, et cetera, whether it be the our care ministry, and now we're planning a, a rehab ministry shortly, uh, we hope to come to pass. It requires funds. And, um, you know, uh, giving to the Lord, giving to the local church. I think if under the law, 10% was the, was the, the standard, certainly under grace, um, we should do better under grace than we do under law. So I think that the tithing would be minimum. Back to the topic of roles of women in the church, and we will wrap things up later in the program with roles of men in the church. But roles of women in the church. Pastor, where does that fine line fall between a woman sharing a very long-winded testimony and expounding on Scripture and a woman preaching. It's hard to 
to really uh, define these fine points. I think a lot has to do with discretion and using wisdom. Uh, I think women ought to be very, very careful. If you're governed by Scripture and you're not supposed to be teaching authoritative doctrine to men, I think even in your testimony you need to be very careful and watch that. And if somebody uh, is somewhat offended by it and they will come to you and say, you know, I think you went a little bit overboard, uh, be humble enough to, to acknowledge at least that it has offended some people and, and just try to make a change. But a testimony really is not to teach doctrine. A testimony basically is to tell people what the Lord has been doing in your life. And uh, it's not just history either. It's supposed to be what the Lord is doing in your life currently. And uh, Sometimes the biblical teaching out of that experience should be shared. But um, just use this question in that regard. And I don't think there's any fast rule. Uh, that you can actually lay down, you know, five minutes, two minutes. I don't think that. I think it's a matter of discretion. And if a person is, is seemed to be wanting to teach when that's not their role, I think it's right and proper for one of the deacons or one of the senior women uh, to just gently say to that person, you know, we think that you just, uh, it might be perceived as, as though you're doing a teaching role in the church. I think that should correct it. If we're humble enough as servants in our minds, those kind of things will not offend us because we're all servants in Christ. Pastor Murphy, we have a WhatsApp message from St. Kitts. Yeah. Let me thank the listener who sent that. Can a lady pray in church on a Sunday morning, and can she read Scripture verses as well? I don't have a problem with that myself. Uh, again, I think the, the local church. We must not try to impose something on the local church. Change comes about gradually. Uh, I don't see... As a matter of fact, in, in Corinthians, Paul talks about a woman praying in the church with her head uncovered. So clearly there was room for her to, to pray uh, and prophesy, etc., in the, in the local assembly, etc. Uh, but again, it depends on the tradition of the church that you're, you're going to. Uh, if there's no clear Bible passage that would restrict that, uh, I myself am not going to restrict it. But again, um, a, a lot of churches are not just governed by scripture. A lot of churches are governed by tradition, something they've been taught years and years and years and years, and that could create a problem. And I'm coming from a tradition where, generally speaking, men are called to, pr uh, to pray on Sunday mornings. Um, I am of the opinion that um, there's no biblical restriction that you can't call on the woman to prayer. But uh, again, let me just say this. I think all of us know that in society, men have been given a bashing. Uh, I think we all recognize that. I think in the church, we should try to uh, rebuild uh, the male image. And I think that uh, as much as possible, if a male is there, I am more disposed to call upon the male to prayer. Not because I don't think the Lord's not going to hear the lady's prayer, but I just think that one of the things the church needs to do is to help rebuild manhood. How do we increase a male presence in the church? And then how do we encourage them to take the next step and become male leadership in the church? That is a million-dollar question. <laughs> I think all pastors would wish that somebody could give them a solution to that problem. Um, I think that it's a real issue. Uh, the vast majority of our churches, whether Baptist or Pentecostal, uh, the vast majority of people who attend our churches are, are ladies. We, we've got to recognize that as a fact. Um, I, I am not too sure what men are looking for in a church. But I, I would think that if a church would emphasize family life, uh, I think if a church has opportunity for ministries to get men involved in different forms of, of ministry and activity, I would think that should be an attraction. But uh, globally, 
this is a dilemma that the church faces. And that's why I think we're having women leading by default. I don't think women have deliberately planned to take over these leadership roles. But I think uh, in all over, men, what it be, uh, look, I'm from, uh, one, I'm from Barbados. And the situation in teaching, for example, is so bad. There are so many female teachers and very few male teachers. The government at one time was looking at how do we incentivize men to become male teachers. Because... Uh, oh, you're talking in the secular school. Yeah, I'm talking in the secular school. Okay. I'm talking in the secular school. Uh, now, even in our, our, our Christian school here, yeah. that just we have a Christian school. We don't have one male teacher. Not one male teacher in our... In our, in our, in our now, how are we going to model to these young men in schools... How, how, where we get get a male model from? When they are just there twenty four hours, uh, I mean not twenty eight hours a day basically, uh, and then there's no male in the home at the same time. So they come to school, it's just the women, and they come home, it, it's just the women. How are we going to help our male children ever acquire male attributes and uh, have a, a, a healthy concept of the male image? So it's a, it's a real problem, and, and the church faces that problem. I don't have an answer. Do you I think really one of the an reasons that there are so few men in churches is because Satan realizes that if he can destroy, if he can attack the man, it affects the family, it affects the church, and it's the weak point where he, or maybe I shouldn't use the word weak point, but it's his way to affect both of those God-ordained organizations? Uh, well, I... I the, the man is supposed to lead. So if you are going to destroy the leadership role in a country or a nation, you've got to attack the male. And if you were the enemy, as Satan is the enemy, certainly that would be one of my main strategies. Because when I destroy the male leadership, I destroy the home, I destroy the church, I destroy uh, the, the family. So I, I, I think you're on to a heavy point there. If women can't be trusted to teach adults... How can we freely trust them to teach children who are so shapeable? Well, again, I'm not saying that we're not, women are not trusted to teach adults. Again, that's not, that's not what we're saying. We are saying that the Bible does not give women the authority to teach men doctrine and, uh, and uh, etc. That is not their God-given right. But women can teach adults. They can teach adults women. There's nothing wrong in teaching adult women. Uh, and I don't see the connection with teaching adults and teaching children. Uh, I think there's a clear disconnect there. And again, I think we're trying to rationalize uh, our way into legitimately endorsing women being pastors. It's an indirect way that comes around the same point. Everything is targeting the same. We're trying to see how we can avoid obeying Scripture. We're trying, basically, to undermine the authority of Scripture. And whatever arguments we use, unless uh, we can show from Scripture that this is what the Bible says, the church has no right to reinterpret Scripture or to twist Scripture or to disobey Scripture. We are to obey the Bible. Pastor, we've talked a lot about ladies. What about men, quickly? We have just over a minute left what are we have a question that just came in a caller uh, I may interrupt you to put him on the air quickly, but what about men? What are men supposed to be doing in the church? Well, uh, again, men are supposed to be the leaders. I, I wish we had men to lead almost every ministry in the church. That doesn't mean that we we'll, we would uh take the role that the women are playing in that regard but uh think of the young fellows in the church that are there and there are no men to mentor them. 
no man that you can attire. The ideal concept of discipleship, and this is where there's a massive failure on the part of the church. We get people saved, but we never really disciple them. When a person is saved and a person is converted, we should have a senior man that we can tag that young convert onto, and his job is to mentor that person on a personal level. We don't have that in the churches. We have young men that make decisions of faith, but when you look for the older men to mentor, they're not there. So they've got a mentoring role to play. They've got leadership role to play. Um, whatever gift God has given uh, the men, rather than exercise it in the secular work field, they should take the same gifts and talents that God has given to them and begin to use them within the assembly. But their jo- job really within the church is to lead the ministry. And uh, if we had men who were prepared to lead and were qualified to lead and adequate in leading, I don't think we'll have a problem with women being the source of uh, working along with them as help me to encourage and to affirm the leadership. I don't think that'd be a problem. Real quick, Pastor. Uh, I have a listener from St. Croix that called in. They're not going on the air, but they want to know, can a woman be a head deacon? You've got about 20 seconds to answer that. Again, we just came back to the whole issue of what does a deacon do? We've always pointed out to you that in the local church, the deacon is there to take over the leadership in the absence of a pastor. The deacon is there to do Bible teaching in case the pastor is absent. They perform an authoritarian role and they perform a teaching role. Uh, And again, go back to the the qualifications, uh, the husband of one wife. Thank you for joining us for tonight's program of That's Truth. I trust that it was educational and that you enjoyed it. Be sure you join us again next week as we'll be discussing evolution and creation and comparing them to Scripture and seeing which one aligns more closely with Scripture. Again, thank you for all of your questions and your interaction. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.